Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Audio Roulette Podcast, the only one that goes spaz depression when we don't know what to talk about. <laughs> we are uh, here for a very special episode, um, AR30. Mm-hmm. It's basically... I <laughs> Sexually. <laughs> <laughs> know what you do. Hmm. I like how I posted one, like, give us questions, and then one person gave it. No one. Oh. <laughs> so cool. I can't decide if that's more depressing or less depressing. I, I don't really know. I'm leaning towards more. We have the spoon back. <gasps> the spoon. He has joined us once again. And for the AR30, I had the idea of doing not just one album review, not two, but two albums in an EP review. Which after coming back later, uh, realized that the EP was full of songs that was just a collection. So (laughs) that was cool. Um, yeah. Uh, so we're gonna be reviewing Like Moths to Flames' new album, which I think is album of the year for metalcore. I I I gotta I'm gonna give it right there. I think it is. Uh, their album Eternity in Gold. Um. The new future little Uzi project, uh, <laughs> Pluto X Baby Pluto, and then DMX's collection EP called X is Coming. Of the three I listened to, I would definitely say Eternity and Gold is my favorite. But okay, Travis, so did you guys listen to them? <laughs> I, oh, uh, I almost finished it. I got so I was I had like two or three songs left, and then everyone was like, "Get in Discord right oh, now!" So I gold. Mm-hmm. So it I didn't get to finish it, but what I did listen to, I really enjoyed. Soap, you didn't listen to that one. Unfortunately, I just literally ran out of time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So I guess and the the the. Future Uzi album also made me think for a minute. I was like, do I ever want to hear music again? Dude! Is it worth it? <laughs> okay, so we're immediately going to start with the Future X Little Uzi Pluto X Baby Pluto because holy shit, hot garbage. <laughs> All right. So I'm just. I have gonna... a whole rant ready. Uh, so I guess I'll go first. Uh, Soap's got yeah, like I'm a sure script gonna, in front of him. Because I'm sure we're going to hop into it where uh, you're going to be saying shit and then I'm going to be going because when you have a rant on a song, usually I'm like, fuck yes. So Pluto Review, the Burberry opening track. I gave it like an 8 out of 10 mainly because it was vibey and I was like, oh, I kind of like this. And I was like, damn, this is going to be great. I don't know what people are talking about. 4 out of 10 basic, the next song. It was uh, very much not a good song. Five out of ten, nothing special for Sleep. Uh, I don't even bother to remember the names. Uh, Baby Pluto, five out of ten, bland. Uh, Drankin had an emotional edge, so I gave it a seven out of ten. I kind of resonate with it. Uh, Million, five out of ten. The beat is weak, and they're trying too hard to make it hard. That's that's why I put plastic. Five out of Relatable. ten. I'm fucking bored. That's it. Five out of ten. Boring. Bad bitch. Boring. Repetitive. Four out of ten. Rockstar. So fucking genre breaking. Not. Five out of ten. Lullaby. The beat is really interesting, but I hated the flow. 
6 out of 10. She Never, much catchier, 7 out of 10. Off Dat, beat is good, flow is better, but still really repetitive, 6 out of 10. Breakup, th- this is where it starts getting into it. Did we really get a real love song from Future? Because <laughs> I-, I like that. That was an 8 out of 10 for me. I was like, what the fuck? Did I just... Is he... Is he talking about love in a... Oh my gosh! Okay, it's happening! Uh, Bankroll. <laughs> Scary monsters uh, and nice sprites type beat in vocals? I loved it. That was my favorite song, Bar None, on the album. 8 out of 10. The ending was good. You know? The beat was good. It, it was decent, so I gave it a 6 out of 10. So overall, uh, the album is pretty much mid. Very... Nothing special. Also, honestly, all the beats sounded like an anything type beat channel. That's hmm. that's what it sounded like. The same fucking and the eight hundred eight is going boom 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 boom, and the drums going. It was boring. It was boring as fuck. I was bored. I listened to maybe. 45 seconds of each song total after like the sixth song because I was like, this is boring. I can't stand this. So I I literally would give the album probably like a five out of 10. If that the only saving grace is like those four songs. I was like, okay, these aren't bad. Now. So it's time to rant. Let the floodgates go. (laughs) I want to, I want to open here. I think of, of any rap artist I've seen, Future seems to like doing collab albums the most, because I can think of three collab albums we've done immediately. World on Drugs, What a Time to Be Alive, and now this record. I don't really like What a Time to Be Alive. I never fully listened to World on Drugs, but it was pretty okay. Juice was carrying that hard. <laughs> this doesn't deserve to be called an album. This is one, like, 54-minute song. This is what this thing is. Yeah, no, thank you! They're the like literally after like three songs in like the beats just blended like it was just like one beat like it 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 never changed the beats didn't change they somehow found to deliver everything in the most mediocre way possible like I don't think you could pay someone to make an album and tell them make the most mediocre album you can they would not beat this this is the most mediocre thing I've ever seen in my life I don't understand how they could do it. It was like Uzi took everything that was bad from Eternal Take, put it on worse beats, and then Future somehow was just like, you know, High Off Life wasn't mediocre enough. Let's get more <laughs> mediocre. And we, we like up the mediocre game. And so it's just like the most mediocre beats and the two most mediocre deliveries from two people that have zero chemistry other than their nicknames, which they didn't even try to do something clever with the title. The title's just their nicknames, which was very annoying to me, because at least he tried with the other two to have something. There's nothing here. There's, no, there's nothing. There's, I don't know what this is. Like, I, I don't understand. There was, I was like, this came out, and then I was looking on Twitter when it did, and the review, like literally, the reviews were either someone saying album of the year or mid. Wait, did and you then see the King people... Wow? Did you see the King Wow one where he's like, "This is fucking mid," and everybody was like, "It's so good," and he's like, "Little Uzi Vert stands are all mad now." <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I didn't see that, but I believe it because I've seen many similar things there. It, it's stupid. Like, there was people saying this was better than Savage Mode 2. There is no way this is better than Savage Mode I 2. I wanted desperately to believe it was because I was yeah. a fan of Savage Mode 2. So I was like, please. So going off of this, what I want to say is it's like producers discovered orchestral shit late last year and went, that shit fire, and then based their entire discography off of that. <laughs> it's like, you know what this bitch needs? You know what this anything type beat needs? Violins. Throw that shit on there. You know what this needs? This needs a choir. Throw that shit on there. And then it's just the... That's all it is. Yeah. Every single song the beat is the same formula it was like somebody talked about how good rap was in 2018 and somebody was like take Keith was popular in 2018 oh people talked about him always using the same beat people must like when you use the same beat all the time i'll do that and it was like no no that wasn't that wasn't a good thing no i, I, <laughs> like, I, I like i heard one and i heard uh london on the track on one of them well, they didn't say the name. I had to look into the producer credits for it. And the Bond didn't want his name on Straight up for the beat he used, kind of ripped off the beat he made for Hardaway by DeRay Deshaun. <laughs> you see, yeah, yeah, in the background. I'm like, huh? DeRay Deshaun, is that you? <laughs> I just... I can't, I, like, this album feels like it was made in a week, if that. And, like, it just should not have seen the light of day. Once again, these people have zero chemistry. They have no contrast between their vocals other than literally the, what their voice sounds like. Everything else, practically, they are the same on. But the problem is, is that Future is, like, internally, he's, like, half a beat slower than Uzi. So he has, so he always feels like Future is trying to keep up with Uzi. But he really can't. So he either ends up sounding awkwardly slow, or it sounds like he's like trying to run somewhere, which doesn't work because of like those, he had a song like in like 2016 where he dedicated to that there, and it actually worked. It sounded like his hand was stuck on a stove. But you know, like you know, it was that one worked. Here, no, it's just like it's just slightly off. Future is the worst part of this album because he just like. Is just like a present feature. He's not an artist on this album. He's not doing music. He's just kind of there. Wait, Meanwhile, we, are Uzi's... We're going to skip over Lil Uzi making that one track, uh, Lullaby, where he tried doing the future flow and completely went the fuck off beat the entire yeah. fucking song. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. yeah, we go when it's in the bay. She don't know. She, she don't know. It's like, why are you questioning yourself while rapping? <laughs> it's like they're reading a teleprompter with the lyrics. It's like watching Honestly. Joe Biden debate with autotune. That's what it was. Because <laughs> I've actually seen that. That is a lot more entertaining. But and it, Uzi on this album... It sounds literally exactly like the deluxe edition of Eternal Take, which was also bad, but it's that without good beat. There's no beat. It sounds like Uzi's supposed to be delivering into like some massive beat, but there's no beat. It feels like every song you're waiting for the beat to drop, but it never did Dude, for the whole 54 uh, minutes. 
it, uh, what was it? Not Gotham. Uh, the Josiah. And, uh, yeah, uh, uh, body count. Body count, like the original drop, where it was like, huh, that's a nice like, party going on five blocks away. <laughs> yeah, it is exactly that, but the whole album, and like I said, the whole album already feels like one song, so it really doesn't help. It, it's so me. I don't know if I should give this a bad score or an like an average score, because in terms of enjoyability, it's a zero. Don't listen to this. Your ears will thank you. There is nothing redeemable in this entire project. I hated every single second. Okay, okay, but there were like a couple of songs that actually weren't bad, like Bankroll and uh, I Don't Want to Break Up. I liked those. I really liked the song. The song I liked the most was Sleeping on the Floor, which I would give like a three. Like that's like the highest rating of a song. (laughs) For the first time. For the first, folks, you're hearing it here first. For the first time, Michael Riccardi likes a modern rap album more than soap. <laughs> like, in the terms of the review, it deserves it deserves exactly a five because it is dead average in the middle. But in terms of enjoyability, zero. In fact, a negative one. This made my life worse. Listening to this. I was better before I heard this. Damn. I wish this didn't exist. It wow. was horrible. Like, I was literally sitting here. I was like, man, I live two minutes away from a bridge. It's like, you know what? <laughs> that bridge is, that looks a lot more entertaining than this album. <laughs> so I will say, no! it literally made the time I was listening to it, waiting for the Bush's like, lady to get to me. And, you know, it was kind of a long line, but it made it feel ten times longer listening to it i was like are we on the next <laughs> song yet how many more songs do i have like literally i was counting i was like okay i'm seven songs in wow this this album felt like it was six hours long like it was just it never it has it no just, right like, to have artwork that fire for a piece of shit <laughs> i know the artwork looks hype there's no hype in here and no point is it hype i was it's expecting just... something like you know trapped in the sun outer space bit and like you know silly watch celebration station kind of hype blended together i'm like oh fuck yeah Let's yes that's what i thought not here not nowhere to be found the 808 sounded like <laughs> it, it just kept going and going <laughs> and going and it was never gonna end so if you want to listen to the this best songs bad. on the album, Bankroll, uh, Sleep on the Floor, I guess. I hated that one. Uh, yeah. I Don't Want to Break Up, and that's that's pretty much it. You're not going to miss anything else. A decision is just to listen to a better album. <laughs> listen to P2 by Little Uzi Vert, and just imagine that's what this just, album is. Just listen to Eternal Take, and you can imagine futures there. He's about as present there as he is on here, and I don't think he's <laughs> even on that album. Wow. It was bad. Get roasted, it, guys. It was, it was awful. It was awful, Travis. That's why I started listening to it, and that's why I texted just listen to the, like, Moss the Flames album. Just... <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have had time to listen to the other one anyway. Dude, I texted it on, like, Friday morning. Hey, I want to That's true. This. However, uh, I procrastinate literally everything. So You're the worst co-host in the world. <laughs> I know, but I'm like, my my opinions aren't that great anyway, and I know that nobody really cares, so I'm just like, yeah, it's, it's okay, Here I enjoyed it. Stan comments I'm not... from Kindle. Oh gosh, <laughs> please no. 
Um, uh, but yeah, it's like I'm I'm not very good yet at like giving in depth like objective reviews of music. I'm good at doing it for like movies and stuff, but I don't know, music is it's just kind of hard for me. <laughs> I think the best review I've given was on this album, calling it an anything type beats channel. <laughs> I think I think that matched it. It's like part of me is wanting to like go listen to it now just to see how bad it is, but then the other parts of me like mm, maybe not. Don't waste fifty four <laughs> minutes of your life. <laughs> it's not okay. It. Sitting here, I was genuinely I was like, man, I wish I was doing some homework right now. <laughs> uh, I was like, that'd wow. be more entertaining. You wish you were doing homework. That. But then. Wow. But then I did listen to the DMXX is coming one. Uh, I will say I only got um, I only got about the, I didn't listen to the final two songs um, because I was so upset with uh, <laughs> Pluto X Baby Pluto that I went back and re-listened to the Like Moss of Flames album because that one's fire. Um, <laughs> so I went and listened to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. yeah, yeah. It, it okay. drew me to it. Um, as, as... <laughs> oh my gosh! It's a shame because the the last two tracks on the X EP are probably the best too. Well, okay, so um, the intro was kind of weak to me. Not not bad, but it sounded like X was holding back. It kind of sounded like one of those SoundCloud rappers that you know doesn't want to be too loud because he doesn't want his family to hear him rapping. So he's like kind of being low and quiet like this, not really. Like that dude that Swiffer was showing us yeah. last night. It's like I don't really want people to know I'm rapping. So it was kind of, it was kind of weaker. Um, I like Damien. Dam again, it kind of was weaker, like in the um delivery, but I love the story. Damien three is when I started getting hype. I was like, oh, here come X. X gonna give it to me. X giving it to me. And uh, I love the storyline from that one. It was fire as hell. And then uh, Stay Out Greedy or something like that, uh, I did like. Uh, I can't I can't remember. Yeah. The... Stop Being Greedy. Who We Be and Slippin' I wanted to listen to, but I just needed to re-wet my you probably If you listen to them at all, you'll probably recognize them because they were his like, two biggest singles, especially mm -hmm. Slippin'. Slippin' was huge. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the intro, I, I like the intro song there. I thought it was pretty good. If, you know, we, we watched uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Dude, that's what I was ago. thinking. I was like, ooh. Did a play on that. Freddy Krueger. Uh, you know, it was it was uh, pretty good. I'm just going to say, moving, going to move past it real quick here uh, for a second to just point out the line in it. That there's no way we can talk about this song without hearing the line of, and if your daughter's older than 15, I'm a raper. Like, like I don't know how we can, I don't know how oh, we can move past that line. Dude, I think I may just have, like, <laughs> just completely blocked that from my memory. Because there was, like, a line that, like, just, I heard, and I was like, I'm uncomfortable, and I don't know why. And, like, it just moved by, because, like, the audio quality got fucked in the car. And I was like, something uh, about this makes me uncomfortable, but I don't know what it is. Now I understand like, what it is. <laughs> It was like, I mean, you need he needed to like add like a few years to that for it to not be quite as creepy. It's bad no matter what. It's but like 15. he's he I'm a raper. Old, he's older than fifteen. I was like, you could have said like, oh, it's seventeen at least. You know, eighteen preferably. Like, come on, why fifteen? Why? 
Like, that's it. That's it. That's when you're loose and tight at the same time. <laughs> oh, no. Man, I didn't hear that. No. Um, that was good. That uh, was a joke. I do not condone that. I do not condone that. <laughs> wow. I love the, the concept of uh, Damien, Damien 3. That was, that, was, that was a really cool concept there. Mm-hmm. The storytelling that, is beautiful. Uh, mm-hmm. it, that's up there with some of the some of the best I've heard there. My my favorite storytelling thing is on a it's on a Nas record. Um, but it was it yes it was on it was written where like Nas raps from the perspective of a gun and it, it's that's a really cool one. So this this has been a long time since I've heard a like perspective type thing there with like the two perspective thing. That was a cool thing. So that was cool. Uh, those are those are nice songs there. And then. I mean, Who We Be is is a very well known delivery. It's like um, you didn't listen to it there, but it's like the the snakes, the cats, the rats, the dogs, the snakes, the grass. This no, is like this, no, like no, that's, that's the whole uh, song. That's don't be greedy. I thought. No, no, wait, that's, that's Damien Three. Right? That's Damien Three that yeah, says no. that. No, that, that's that's Who We Be. No, no that was Damien Three's chorus. Well, he used it again. Oh, <laughs> because that's that's the verses on Who We Be. That's the entire song. Like every verse is delivered like that, where it's just like two words and like comma, comma, like two words, comma, two words, comma. That's the whole. That's all the verses. Wow. And the thing is just like really depressing, <laughs> as it always is. Slipping is like, yeah, it, it's technically supposed to be somewhat motivational, but it's just like. It's just sad. Like that was the thing. That was the one that they played in his in his court trial whenever he was going to jail for a year in 2018. It was like this is just this is sad. I need it. I need a new DMX project. I don't know. We'll have to really get one. DMX is like such a strange person in hip hop history because like he was like for like literally two albums, you know, like basically like undisputed like the number one you know he released like two albums in a year both were like number one on billboard he was the top of the game for like literally one year and then he just like and then he, yeah, he had, had some good ones in there he had he had a couple you know good songs here and there but he just he just kind of went he just disappeared uh and just got really sad i i feel bad for the guy <laughs> Cocaine, cocaine really, really messed his up his career. Dang. Cocaine ruin your brain. <laughs> Please don't do cocaine. Hey, cocaine ruin your brain. <laughs> Banger. Pretty much. I, I just want to say that as well. I find it absolutely hilarious that we are reviewing an X project, uh, in a sense here, and it is not, not the other project from the other X that we've been talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Mark. I was like, let's we go X. EP. And I was like, oh, that's a... That's a... And we managed to, to review a DMX project before we did a uh, question mark, which is impressive. <laughs> oh, uh, uh, this is... I'm, it's a fine collection of songs. I don't really think you can review this because this isn't... It's just a collection of songs. Yeah, I, I didn't fine. realize that. I'd never heard them before. Well, I as far as I know, I haven't heard the final two. Uh, so I was just like, oh, this is kind of cool. And so it's... Yep. 
Yeah, the reason I, I figured that out was I went and I heard the first song. And I was like halfway through. I was like, damn, D-Max is on his A game. Like, what's going on? And I went and I looked it up and I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's why. This song's from 98. <laughs> no, it came out in 98. Oh, no. Oh, was that why it sounds like different? Because he hadn't really come to his like full delivery that he had. This is from his album. second album. Oh, like so three of these songs are from his a, second album. Um, I'm holding my fucking dick and that's all to it. Like where he's like screaming everything kind of. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, good. That That's why I was like, man, this is kind of weak, man. Where's the DMX oomph that I expect? <laughs> and it wasn't until Damien and Stop Your Greed or whatever. Uh, also, I want to do a quick uh, run back to, uh, I think, Bankroll off of the Pluto X Baby Pluto where uh, this is like the third fucking time I have heard it, at least. I've caught it. Little Uzi said, uh, look, uh, playing with my paper, and I got a paper cut. Can he please find a different rhyme or different metaphor for how much money he has? Because I'm tired of hearing him say he's got a paper cut from counting it. I'm, I'm tired of it. You can only get so many paper yeah. cuts. All right. <laughs> I don't that, think that's how paper cuts work. Yeah, normally you're more inclined <laughs> to get a paper cut when there's less paper, not more. That's a good point. You ever tried to like, like get a paper cut on like a full stack of printer paper? That you're not gonna, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's just irritating. It's like, dude, come up with a different rhyme, okay? It's, Please. I think he uh, second the paper and that did it up. Uh, I think it was celebration station. I heard it on. Uh, I think Silly Watch. Um, he may have said it on a different one. I'm just tired of hearing it, dude. It's like, little Uzi, come on, man. Come up with a different... That was nitpicky. It was nitpicky, but it was irritating. <laughs> It'd be like if I made a song and I just decided to say Humana every single fucking song. I was literally just thinking that. Just yeah. like the whole song is just like the joke that I do. You were like humana 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 humana. It's just like that's the entire song. Humana, humana, that humana, entire humana, song, humana. fucking irritating, man. Uh, now <laughs> we we really we really blew through these <laughs> quickly. Um, like Moss of Flames, Eternity and Gold. Travis, what were your thoughts? I got major like old creatures era motionless and white vibes from this album i'm gonna be honest i uh so this, this was the first time you've like listened to a like monster flames album yes. or any okay so mm -hmm. this band came out in 2010 i believe i don't want to lie so i'm a i'm a real <laughs> quick check the spotify um 2010, yes. They came out with their Sweet Talker EP, um, which got them signed to Rise Records, which then they released uh, When We Don't Exist, fantastic album, and Eye for an Eye, fantastic album. Uh, and then they released their The Dream is Dead two-song EP before releasing The Dying Things We Live For in 2015, Dark Divine, hmm. which I think was their very last album that they released with Rise Records. Uh, they released an EP of Dark Divine Reimagined, which was acoustic, but then they released the Where the Light Refuses to Go EP on UNFD, 
which is a different label, um, which is funny because um, they made kind of this almost kind of hard rock, kind of orchestral rock feel with Dark Divine, and everybody was like, hmm. what the fuck is this? <laughs> they were like, where's the crunch? Where's <laughs> the, the breakdowns? What are you doing? I enjoyed it. There were some songs on there I really enjoyed, but everybody was like, what the hell? So this is like their first release, and it kind of like skyrocketed them further into like, oh, hey, you remember Like Moss of Flames? Yeah, the back, and uh, better than ever. So they were one of the first to kind of be doing this like crunchy, crunchy sound. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because I think Motionless came out maybe, was it 2008? Let me see. Uh, 2009 is when they released their When Love Met Destruction one, which had like uh, mm-hmm. destroying everything and all that stuff on it before they released uh, Creatures in 2010, which yeah. was kind of coincided at the same time because all these bands were touring together. Um, yeah. So yeah, this is like their first uh, true to form, let's go back and find that sound that we had, but then do it heavier. Um, yeah. Also, I just want to say the drummer holy shit he (laughs) he's phenomenal like the Mm -hmm. fills the way that they like literally will cut out everything so it's just him drumming and everybody's like oh this is good and then the guitar comes back in and the guitar and the drums are matching while they're throwing in like these little riffs to go i'm like oh (laughs) so okay so you had major creature vibes what else did you think did you have a favorite so far Oh, I did. I did. I added it to my playlist, but I don't remember what it was called. Hold on. <laughs> oh, it was a uh, uh, killing what's underneath. That one. That one stood out to me. I really liked that one. That's. Uh, I think that's the very first song I, I heard from the project, and I went, "Okay, I'm gonna listen to this full thing." Uh, yeah, killing what's underneath. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that the last song that you listened to from the album? Uh. I didn't know. <laughs> Where did I leave off? Left off at Demon of My Own. Dude, okay, so a servant of plague made me nut. <laughs> I heard that and I went, oh. <laughs> this is nice. So uh. I I thought so like right off the bat with the first song, uh I really enjoyed it because it came mm-hmm. in where like they didn't take any time it wasn't like a slow build-up where they're like oh let's yeah. do this it was kind of like oh here's a little slow thing five seconds later <laughs> i was like oh my papa <laughs> <laughs> and then it just continues i mean i love the whole album the ones that stand out to me the most would definitely be like the intro anatomy of evil uh burn in yeah. water drown in flame fluorescent white uh killing what's underneath a servant of plague and i feel like i want to say demon of my own those are like the first ones that have stuck out to me and then as i'm listening mm-hmm. i'm again and again i'm finding it i've been in a very angry mood today <laughs> <laughs> really never would have guessed so i for me personally i give this like a 10 out of 10 album like, of course, first listen through, you're going to be like, mm, maybe that could have been a little different, but it doesn't take away from like the mm-hmm. whole song or the whole album. 
So to me, yeah. every single track on there, I would give it a 10 out of 10 and definitely sends it towards like album of the year for anything. They, they came out in uh, January or February and said, this is the year of the moth. And I was like, dude, hmm. like people were like, uh, like diehard fans were like, hell yeah. And other people that like kind of fallen, like didn't really listen to him anymore. After Eye for an Eye, they kind of just kind of dropped off a little bit. Yeah. Um, people were like, yeah, I don't know about this. You know, <laughs> who, who, what's going to happen? And then they, they fucking did it. <laughs> this is the year of the moth. Like, holy shit. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. So what what would you give it? What would you give it? From what I've heard so far, I'd say probably 9 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I like. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that was just that just tickled me. Just yeah, yeah, it's boy. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yeah, actually, we're uh, we're, this took a lot faster than I thought, so we're actually gonna have to talk about other shit. Um, Ooh, yay! But uh, I've been thinking that for uh the last episode of the year. We should all absolutely get together like a top ten list of like our favorite albums of this year, and <laughs> oh, oh, this year I was like, man, it's just gonna be like, let's see, have it myself, nerve endings, <laughs> trauma, lifelines, like, dude, that hurt me so bad when I was like, my favorite album? What do you mean? What do you mean a favorite? <laughs> Which, I'm sorry, a day to remember. Sorry, Breaking Benjamin. I'm sorry, We Came as Romans. I'm sorry, Too Close to Touch. I'm sorry, but I have to choose Lifelines by I Prevail. <laughs> that shit just hit really different at a time wow. when I really needed it. Wow. <laughs> Having yeah. myself is just one of those ones, like, uh, what was it, Friday night? No, Thursday night when I was, like, really depressed. Uh, I literally just laid yeah. in bed, curled in a fetal position in my hoodie, blaring "Haven't Been Myself," and mm-hmm. like it was a very good Blair album. Yeah, I'm just laying on my side, just like curled up, like I can't mm-hmm. cry because my body refuses to cry now. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but I was just blaring that, and I'm like, "You're here for me, too close to touch." <laughs> also, by the way, can You're we talk about how me, they somehow me. went? From like post hardcore to like eighties funk pop, can we just? I like it. I I enjoy it too. Like uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like that message I sent you where it's like I think I've reached a new level of depression when I'm like genuinely in love with Volume Three of I'm Hard to Love but So mm-hmm. Are You. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, did you hear that we're getting a the Volume Four in like December tenth? What they're doing a fourth one? Yeah. I thought it was supposed to be three. That's their thing. I I know. I kind of think they ruined it. Weird. I think they ruined it. Because yeah, three, like six, nine, and then now it's gonna be twelve, but four. Really? Ugh. Yeah. Oh, what? It, mm, mm, no, no. They should have just done a new album or another EP, but like called it something different. Yeah, and it's weird. Like the artwork is like a construction zone, and. Oh. It's it's weird. It's weird. So we went huh. from like hyper uh from like hyper neo Tokyo look with neon mm-hmm. lights to water 
to makeout session and now <laughs> construction zone. What the fuck is this timeline? Like, what's happening here? <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I but yeah, I think I think we should because so you and I have reviewed just on the podcast. We've reviewed tons of fucking twenty twenty releases. Hmm. Punk two. Uh, yeah, punk two. Other nicotine. Uh, oh yeah. That? Uh, what is it? My turn. Um, Legends never die. Legends never die. That was a good one. Uh, what else? There was a high off life. <laughs> Wait, what'd you say? High off life. That, oh. That's the thing. Oh, I always call it future airplane. Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I call it. I forgot the actual name of it. <laughs> I thought it was Future Michael, what are you doing, man? I don't know, man. I'm not here. <laughs> all right, let me see. Audio roulette. What else do we review? Oh, 21 Savages, Savage Mode 2. That's not getting anywhere. Uh, Seven. Tokyo's Revenge. Oh, Six Nines album. Yeah. Uh, oh, I reviewed when everything was. Like, damn, we're like. We reviewed a lot. Holy shit, we have <laughs> Under Pressure by uh, Logic. Uh. Damn, we got a lot. I'm okay with this. I'm perfectly fine with this. But uh. Yeah. Oh, speaking of uh, going back to shit, uh, did you finally get caught up on Dan Machi soap? Yes, I am. We should talk about that. I meant to bring that up. Let's talk about it. Dan Machi, is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon season three? All right. So you said <laughs> you weren't a huge fan of this. At so, the start. Okay. After. I have a lot to say. Okay. So, like, I... I went straight from watching season two into season three and it was like, I loved it. Like right off the bat, I was like, oh, okay, all right, we're taking this in a whole new direction then. Like, I think this is the longest they've stayed with a story arc so far. Yeah. They yeah. don't, they're normally not longer than five episodes. Which also, what the fuck? Why do they have, they have no right getting all emotional and making this a serious anime. All right. They, I, they have no this, right this, doing this. This episode seven, I was like, what? This, what? The very oh, end the, literally had my heart going. Bu, 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 bu. I was like, I know. I was like, oh my gosh, why is it ending? I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, Bell's gonna die. <laughs> Bell's gonna die right now. Ace is gonna. What? Oh my god, the Loki family is gonna destroy the Hestia family. That's it. We're done. The series ended. Seven yeah, imagine episodes. how imagine how intense that would be if we actually cared about eyes. <laughs> I know. I don't give a fuck about her. Haruhime <laughs> and Bell need to be together. I feel like they're kind of leading to that point because, like, with the I introduction, I just I feel it, and I'm I not, love it too. But I like, it. I just feel it with like a Wine. They're they're very much putting them both in like this parental. Uh, like family unit kind of thing, and even when he was talking to Ace, and, I could see that. Yeah, and when he was talking with Ace, he wasn't really like stutter stop with her. He was kind of just like talking easier than he normally was, and it was Haruhime that he was like happier to see in these moments. 
So I feel like they may lead into there. I hope to God they do because Ace is the most boring fucking female character I have ever witnessed in an anime. And that's saying a lot. Not a character. <laughs> Eyes is a brick wall. She's nothing. She is just there to go slash slash. Oh, look, my armor shows half my boob. <laughs> that's it. Like, yeah. I, at least I'm going to. Whenever I get to talk, I'm going to talk about it a lot here, so I don't know if you want to get right. your... I, I, okay, so effort. my first thoughts when I started watching it was I liked that they were bringing in the monsters also have feelings. Okay, spoiler alert! <laughs> Little late for it. Um, I'll probably... That's literally in the first episode of season three, so it's yeah. Um, Like two minutes well, in. Well, technically, Bell almost dying. Okay, I'll put a spoiler alert at the beginning of the podcast. Um, So right off the bat, when... Uh, because I love the way that they like seamlessly made it flow from season two into season three. Because season two ends with uh, Wine falling out of the tunnel wall. And then the first episode of season three is her being chased by uh, like monsters. And then Belle immediately uh, finding her, which was awesome. So I thought right off the bat it was going to be a cool storyline to have... Um, the monsters also have feelings and be able to talk. And when it started getting more intense and it started getting to the point where uh, they introduced, you know, Ikelos and uh, Dix, I was like, all right. This Sorry, is... they, they introduced what now? <laughs> Dix. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> He's a dick. He's an actual dick. I hate him. Uh, well, uh, okay. <laughs> We're just going to um, say that on the air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when they started introducing this, I was like, oh, great. I'm going to hate this guy more than I hated. What was his name? What the fuck was the dude's name from the second half of season one of SAO? Sugo. I knew that's the, I knew that was what you were talking about, but I also couldn't remember the name. I was like, I'm going to hate this motherfucker more than I hated him. I was wow. like, I don't know why, but I'm going to hate him. And, like, you know, episode four happened, and I went, yeah, I fucking hate him. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate him more. So the fact that they brought in, you know, not only expanding the world past, you know, the uh, Babel, like, the dungeon, the guild, and then, like, the kind of familias that they have, I like how they introduced Oranos and how he's, like, the guild's master and so he's able to, like, basically control all that shit. I like how they made the world a little bit bigger than it had been before. On top of that, introducing a whole group of creatures that had feelings, could talk, and kind of knew the difference between right and wrong. That was a whole brand new, completely mindfuck thing that I love that they introduced. Because it also started showing the shift in, uh, you know, Belle, Lily... Makoto, uh, Wealth, how they were unable to even kill monsters before they had met them because they didn't want to hurt them, which added a whole new aspect to the Hestia Familia being different than the other ones, whereas the other ones are all about money, killing, let's just get fame, blah, 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 all that stuff. They're more about being a family, caring about what other people need, etc., etc. and I like that. I like that. Also, I do want to point out just quickly, um, I'm still confused. Did Bell confess his love to Hestia at the end of season two? Because I'm still confused on what the fuck that was. Hey, 
don't think so. Be- because he was like, I don't want to be scared of th- blah, blah, blah. And she's like, it's okay. And he's like, I want to blah, blah, be free or something like that. And I don't want to worry about it. And I'm like, okay, hold up. Did he just say he loves Hestia and the entire reason he's been saying no is because he didn't want to cause her pain? Like, what the fuck's happening? Um, honestly, I would take – if if it gets Bell away from Ace, I'm fine. I'm fine if he goes with Hestia, all right? I'm yeah, I'll be okay with it too. Because at least she loves him and shows the emotion, all right? Anyway, getting up to this latest episode – uh. It was very intense. And I like how none of the monsters actually killed the humans when they were attacking. Except for the ones that were pieces of shit. Like, those ones, I I don't even think they killed them either. And I wish that they had because those motherfuckers deserve it. Uh, But the fact that the conclusion of the latest episode was Wiener getting turned into this full-on just beast... And then the entire reason she's on a rampage is because she's trying to get back to Belle. And that this motherfucker Dix is like, ha ha, you can't do anything about it. Ha ha, I can't die. Ha ha, blah, 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 all this bullshit. I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Also, I want Hermes to punt Ikelos off the fucking roof. Like, I really do too. Why is he letting him talk and live? He could easily end his life just like, and boom, dead. That's it. But, I mean, I can't, I could go on and try to explain more about it, but I'm, it's getting me emotional again, <laughs> thinking of, oh, okay, so Belle stands in front of Wene so that way the Loki Familia can't hurt her anymore, and he's basically made himself a target for everybody to attack to protect her and also why is the Hestia Familia not running out to be with him immediately <laughs> like what the fuck is that what is he doing you know what he's doing Welf go help him you're the big brother to him <laughs> they weren't in the room when everything happened <laughs> I know fair. but when they saw Bell stand in front they're just like oh no we gonna stay back here <laughs> <laughs> But okay, what what were you thinking? What were you thinking? Because we had like I love the season right off the bat, and I it's only grown. You were kind of eh about it, so you talk about it because I'm sure you have more insight. For me, I think most of my problems with season three come from how much I liked season two, and that was that's really where most of the problems here stem from. I don't remember season one like at all. Like I'm not gonna lie, season Uh one was way too long ago. But season two, I very much remember. That was only last year. Season two opened with the Apollo War arc, which I really liked because it had a, like a breakup. At the time of uh, watching season two, I did remember season one, but I don't remember now. But that was like the breakup point where there wasn't necessarily, we didn't really add new characters. We didn't do a ton of things here. We just added like the villains for that arc there. It was just that arc by itself. And it's the one that developed the world the most, in my opinion. And I really liked that because it gave a little break. Then we went to the um, to the Ishtar Familia arc, which was also a really good arc. Added Haruhime. Characters are great. Uh, then the last two episodes of season two were kind of whatever to me. But the, the two main arcs of season two 
were really good. Mm-hmm. The problem was is that Don Machi, in my opinion, has always underdeveloped its world is its problem. That we get the concept and there's so much more of the topics and like concepts that were already introduced that weren't developed. And the fact that we had just added a character in Haruhime, the fact that we're going immediately into adding another character and making a whole new concept instead of developing any of the concepts we had, I was not happy with that. I was hoping Season 3 would open up with something kind of that has the same purpose as what the Apollo arc did, where it went and developed the world and didn't add any new permanent characters. Just develop what we have. I was hoping it would do that. But it didn't. It went straight into it. And funnily enough, whereas you're like, oh, it transitioned greatly, I think the transition between 2 and 3 is horrible. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I like the thing with Wiener, like being teased at the end of Season 2, because, of course, I mean, it was just a tease then because it was a year ago. Uh, and I was like, okay, this is a cool thing here. I didn't expect it to introduce them that quickly, though. Like, for me, I literally was thinking about this earlier. The transition would be so much better if instead of just, like, opening up in the dungeon, we, like, shift all the episodes forward one, and then, like, so added, like, another episode that would be the episode one as a replacement for this one, and the current episode one becomes episode two, where literally all you need to do is have the characters, like, you know, our main cast of characters, like, chilling, talking, doing a little bit there, like, doesn't have to do a ton of development or anything, just, like, a normalish day, and then have them enter the dungeon to do some quest or something, and they're like, oh, let's scout ahead a little farther, and then Bell gets separated from the group somehow. And then that goes into meeting Wiene. That would be such a more clean thing there. I didn't like how it was just like, season two ended, and it's like, okay, and now they're in the dungeon, and here's this person running, and here's all these things happening. It was like, what in the world? Like, after I was so confused when I started the episode, because once again, I will say, it's probably not that bad for you, because you didn't wait a year. <laughs> after a year... It, to open so immediately into things going on, it doesn't feel like the first episode of a show. It feels like the second episode of a show. There needed to be something before that led into where we start in season three that would make it make sense. But the transition was really weird. Personally, I do still really like the first episode. That was something I talked about with another another friend who didn't like the first episode. I did actually really like the first episode, and I was super hyped. Two and three was where it got really downhill for me. And that was when I actually was going to drop the show until Michael told me to watch it. Because I had dropped it after episode three. Because I just... It took so long. I was like, dude, I don't understand why you're hating this, but you need to watch it. And you're like, ah, I'll get around to it. And I'm like, no, you need to watch this. (laughs) Two and three just didn't do a lot. I, feel, I really liked what, like, the first episode did in terms of, like, developing Wiene and stuff there. Like I said, I still wish there was a different opening to this here or something here. However, I can see why they didn't do that, because it seems this arc is probably going to take up the entire season at this point. Which, once again, that's an oddity for them, so I get that then. But I will say that the opening to this arc feels a little rushed uh, to me. And I think that what happened was that they knew how many episodes this arc is going to take up, but they really needed more episodes than it was able to take up. So they were like, okay, you normally, you have to either rush the beginning or the ending. And to make the ending be good, they've chose to rush the, the intro, 
which is fine as it gets better past the intro, but it does make the intro, like, the first three episodes a little rough to me, especially two and three. But two and three just did I didn't really like those two and three there. I didn't like the thing where, like, Wiene saves somebody, and then the town still all freaks out. I think that's such an overused concept, and it's so stupid. Yeah, it's like, I, didn't, I didn't understand that, because it was, like, it was very clear that, like, because everybody watched. So it was yeah. clear that she didn't attack her. And then she even asked, are you okay? And then the little girl goes, ah! And then everybody's like, fucking monster! And then starts throwing rocks at her. I know. They were literally like, oh no, that child's gonna die. Ah, thank God, someone saved them. Oh no, it's a monster. They should have let the child die. But then again, the only reason it's a cliche is because it legitimately happens. I'm aware, but yeah, still. <laughs> I hate it. I hate the fact that that's actually something that happens. But I thought that because I got mad too. Like right when that happened, I was like, "What the fuck? Y'all just watched it happen!" And I was like, "Oh, yeah. this really happens." And okay, no, I don't like it, but yeah. I understand now. It's just iffy there, and like I said it. That little first part there just isn't a ton of interest for me. Now, when you actually get into, like, meeting the other Xenos and stuff, it, it does get a lot more interesting. I like the idea of it and having the, just, like, the how all the monsters are. They have cool personalities and stuff. And they're all unique. And the show got unexpectedly brutal. I really did not expect it to get as brutal as it did in the episode. I don't remember which one. I think it's five, but whenever the uh, – Yeah, when they're traveling and then the arachnid yeah. is completely decimated and they're like – we're going to have some fun with you. She's like, you won't violate this body, which was the most badass thing in this yeah. entire show where she literally kills herself and removes her body. So nobody can violate it. I was like, Oh, after spitting acid on three people's faces. I was like, Oh shit. Also, can we talk about how gross like and that- her had a relationship and it was very clear and how he literally was like a yeah. husband that lost his wife. Mm-hmm. That just made him more human. Just made him more like had more humanity in that aspect. But yeah, I just like like the second the harpy was like chained up and stuff. I was like, oh, wait, hold on a minute. What's going on? I, I say ReZero. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hold on, wait a minute. This ain't this ain't what Don Matsu's like there, and then it just kept like I was like everyone was dying. I was like, oh my, <laughs> and it's just gotten like more and more bloody. Like in episode seven, when I think it's Gross who does it, who slashes that one guy's eye, like literally, like the man turns half to blood. I was like, yeah. oh my gosh, what? I was like, I don't think there's that much blood in your eye, but okay. <laughs> no, the what he did was when he slashed the eye, he actually ended up clawing like all of, like, his entire, like, left side of his skull. So he ended up, like, digging everything. Ah. Yeah, that was that was very brutal. But, yeah, it's I, I always like when shows get really brutal like that. So I do like that there. And then uh, I want to see what they're going to do with that Minotaur that showed up that, like, was totally about to kill you. Yeah, and then went, uh, no. Yeah, he was like, oh, no, I go wolf. <laughs> Dude, I... Wolf do how I go wolf. See, and here's the thing, because the Xenos, uh, Lidson, or Lidson, uh, I can't remember the Harpy's name, and Gross, 
they're all like hauling ass to try and get to Bell, which I think we're about to see the scene uh, that's in the intro where it's Bell at the head of like Lidasan, uh, the harpy. Yeah. And yeah, we're like all of a sudden his entire family. I feel like we're about to witness the Hestia Familia just like drop Bell, and Bell ends up like leading this as like a Xenos essentially. I feel like we're about to hit that. Also, the red eye thing. Am I the only one that's thinking it's a little suspicious that Bell has red eyes and the Daedalus curse is red eyes with the D? Am I the only one that's like kind of trying to really anxious to see what's going to happen? Like if there's any connection to Bell's like family line? Hmm. I don't know. I didn't, I wouldn't expect that personally. Because, I mean, we know that, like, Bell's grandfather was an adventurer, too, so I feel like that would have come up then. True. That might be something they do, but, I mean, I wouldn't personally uh, anticipate that too much. But I am very interested in this next episode. This fight's going to be huge, and it'll mean something that involves the Loki familia will finally be interesting. Yeah, it's not just going <laughs> to be Ace being, like, I the, don't know. The Loki Familia is, like, by all accounts, like, exactly the team that you expect in a normal fantasy anime, which makes them so boring. <laughs> well, and so I'm looking at this, like, Namachi. I feel like because it's based on a manga, I feel like, or light novel, whatever, I feel like they're, that was, like, the kind of ploy, almost, where, like, they were going to rope you in, like, oh, it's just a it's like a really stupid happy-go-lucky fantasy one. You're like, oh, okay. And so then they kind of like throw in like, uh, you know, the battle of uh, the 18th floor, you know, at the end of uh, season one. You're like, oh, shit, things got real. And then season two where it's like, oh, the Ishtar Familia. Like, damn, that's intense. I feel we're like... Very, very deep topics. <laughs> I feel like now we're getting into where this, it was like almost like kind of roping people in, you know, where it's like, Oh, it's, you know, kind of funny to watch. And then you start really caring for the characters. And so they're rolling with that to like do more. Cause in this one season, we've had more world build, uh, world building than we have had previously because now it's going more into like the checkpoints It's getting into the later floors. It's starting to explain a little bit more of like, how uh the dungeon came to be we're starting to learn a little bit more about the dungeon we're starting to learn more about the characters like other gods that are completely minor like ikalos that's completely different that's a god that i don't recognize at all but he's one the right name there. before because it's in destiny <laughs> oh you're right isn't that the name of a like a planet or was it like a no. character it was an old character right no, it's it was a weapon. Oh, well, the weapon um, are usually named I, after something. So, yeah, Ikelos is a the son of Nyx. Oh shit! That's why uh, he's kind it. of about discourse and stuff like that. That explains it. Um, yeah, we're getting more yeah. world building. Like now, we're going into like Daedalus's line, like the guy who made the dungeon and stuff which means that we're having even more backstory with that. It's just really interesting. Like, even, uh, like, what is it, Aish, uh, Aisha-san that's now joined Hermes, 
the Hermes Familia, and we're starting to learn a little bit more about yeah. the characters. More, I'm getting really interested about that. And they're kind of like roping us in to where it's like, oh yeah, this isn't just happy go lucky. Now we're gonna have you emotionally invested in every character. <laughs> and the Loki Familia being that like kind of overpowered kind of thing. That's what they're meaning to do. Like it's literally where their entire intention because the first season is so like just like hype but like so you're like oh dude this is hilarious like that's the entire first season you're just like this is funny this is funny shit i like this take the loki familia was like you know the badass family in that one and now in the season three it's just like the only thing that was tying them together was bell having some unfounded crush in ace and now Ace is going to be completely against Bell, which, as seen by the uh, the opening, he doesn't stand for that. So he's going to fight back to her. And I'm very interested to see how this completely shifts the dynamic of the show. Definitely getting very interesting now. I wasn't expect. I watched it because I wasn't expecting feels, dude. I I wasn't. I was after season two. I find it funny that you're just you're watching an anime and not expecting feels. Like that seems like a lapse in judgment on your no, part. No, there's some anime that you're watching. <laughs> and you're like, there's no feels. Well, uh, to an extent. You sure. <laughs> I just oh I. And then, okay, so if we're talking about feels anime, you need to watch Tony Kawa. So, you, you I need can't to. tell you, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to, it was the same thing with Don Manchi too, whatever, you told me to watch those, and I was said I was going to, you know, watch those there and stuff. I can't tell you how many times I opened Crunchyroll, went to do that, and ended up watching 20 episodes of Naruto instead. Okay. <laughs> it happened like six times. Dude, it's like six episodes in, seven episodes in. It is so good like the character development is so good because here's the thing the whole premise is dude almost died got saved by a girl love at first sight he asks her out she says only if you marry me cut to two years later she shows back up they get married and now it's them trying to uh now it's them just living together married and figuring out shit like it's so good it's so wholesome. It makes you kind of sad at the same time because you're like, damn, I really want this. But it's also like, <laughs> this is sweet as fuck. So it's good because it's sweet, but it's bad because it makes you feel lonely. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, it's so good, though. Because we, we all need more, more shows and media to remind us how single we are. Yeah. And then we just had the <laughs> announcement of uh, Slime that's coming back. Season two. Probably didn't just get the announcement. We just missed it because that Twitter post was clearly not an announcement. That was just that was just their updating thing. I just I still followed the Twitter from back in that season. That season was so weird. Like every anime that came out that season had a Twitter account, and they still tweet to this day. Like the Rising of Shield Hero account is still tweets. Is that a good one? Should I watch that? Rising of Shield Hero is definitely really good. It, it's. It's been a little. It's been quite a while at this point, but you know, it's it's really good, like the whole way through. 
but it just becomes one of the things where you just like hate everyone other than like your main cast of characters which is kind of what's supposed to happen but nonetheless like you just get to the point where you're just like you know what maybe we should kill them maybe maybe this would be better if they just happened to die you know <laughs> that was the same i had read some i read a, like a good chunk of the manga after that after it had finished because i liked it that much and then it was even more so there i was like you know what just, just maybe just throw them off a boat you know just to, i mean i don't think they can swim just let them drown just you know <laughs> So, like, the ones I'm watching right now, I need to um, get caught up on Burn the Witch, which is good. I just... Well, it's, it's uh... I, that's the other thing I meant to tell you about that. Uh, I hate to inform you, it is only three episodes, because it's actually a movie that was, for some reason, released as three episodes. Because there's literally only a single volume of uh, manga out. The, the single volume they Are turned into a movie. Are you fucking kidding me?! Yeah, the the first volume of the manga came out in, in August. And they like immediately were like let's make a movie and for some reason Crunchyroll split the movie into three episodes but it is one movie like the three episodes are a single movie no! that they just made in three episodes oh, no. so uh I was god damn it so yeah you Suffering unless you want to learn Japanese um you, you probably will wait a long time for that manga fuck that makes me so angry yeah. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Cool. But, uh... Hey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's uh super dope. I. Mm. I'm 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 angry. I'm 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 angry. But what else you watch other than that? <laughs> well, I have like three episodes uh, before I'm caught up with Slime. Uh, I am wanting to start watching uh, the Jujutsu Kaisen. I've been keeping an eye on that for the last oh, yeah. like, few months. I've been watching clips and stuff. Um, Rising of Shield Hero I want to watch. Uh, Tower of God looks really good too. Um... What was the other one? I had a, I had another one. Let me see. Uh, browse. Oh, let's go here. Uh, where's simulcast? Here we go. There's a couple I had. Um, Yashahimi Princess Half Demon looks good. Oh yeah, yeah. I want to watch that. Uh, and I like how they have just fucking rock climbing girls yeah for the horniest people yeah uh I don't really know what else I think that's it oh I really wanted to watch uh Rascal Doesn't Dream of uh, Bunny Senpai or Bunny oh Senpai. you still haven't seen that no I want to watch I still it. haven't seen the movie alright so if I get caught up on the anime we can watch the movie together I yeah. also have not yeah, I mean, been wanting to watch Clan Ad. I've also been like postponing watching Clan Ad. I'm just real dude, I'm not prepared. It's been three years and I'm still not prepared. <laughs> I know, I'm just Until I'm... you have a Dongo fleshy. Once you have a Dongo fleshy, then you'll be prepared. I'm just I'm just not ready for it, man. 
I don't. You need a doggo plushie and a wooden star. It fucked me up for like a week and a half after I watched it, man. And then even then, if man, I I think it, it does. Of... It's been three years, and I think it's still done. <laughs> it is. We're, we're closer to four years now, dude. I heard the opening. Uh, I heard the opening, and I saw the characters in that first scene, and I almost started crying. I was like, uh, "I'm sorry." I don't. I don't remember the first opening. the The only opening I remember is the one it's in like after story, where it has that point where it gets like super wispy and really pretty, and it gets really sad. Yeah. Because it's like just like all the characters like flashing through and they're all it's happy. All fucking snow and you're like, yeah, you bastards! <laughs> I know what that snow is from. It is not good. It's the same thing. I I don't want to rewatch Angel Beats either. I, I, I got, just I just don't want to watch Angel Beats again. I got a lot of things I want to rewatch. One thing I would like to rewatch with somebody is uh is definitely Charlotte. I'll, I I'll really want to rewatch. I think we've been talking about watching Charlotte together for a long time. I I'm going to warn you, Charlotte's ending isn't a bad ending, nor is it really a disappointing ending. It's just not satisfying. Yeah, it's, it's so not what you expect that it does end up being a little unsatisfying. But the literal entire journey is so good, it doesn't matter. Like I said, because it's not a bad ending. It's just definitely not going down as one of the best. But the rest of the show was amazing. Now, to be fair, it was the third anime I ever watched, so maybe I'm wrong on that. But... <laughs> Little biased. True. I still haven't gotten caught up on it... SAO, and I, I don't really want to. Don't. Don't. <laughs> uh, if anything, you know, you could watch uh, season three. Season three is good. Um, don't. Don't watch season four. But isn't I watched. I, I only got that's through one episode, and I was like, "That's no. the conclusion of the series, though." I, it's not worth it. I watched that first episode, and I was like, "It's not worth it." <laughs> not worth. Yeah, that's true. Or actually, I don't. Even, I don't think it's. It's in two parts. The like the final thing, and the first part wasn't that good, but it wasn't horrible. It had one part that was so bad. Where they introduced a character, developed them a bunch for like two episodes, it's like the only character on screen, and then just killed them because they could. And I was like, why? The first episode, the first couple episodes literally don't mean anything. Then I was like, this is so stupid. And then the villain makes no sense. He's just, he's evil because it's like, I, I'm not, do you, this is semi a spoiler type thing, but it's, it's so bad. You want to hear? Sure. The villain is evil. Because in his childhood, he accidentally killed someone. And then nobody ever found the body, I guess. They just they don't explain that. But he accidentally killed somebody, and then he was just like, damn, that felt good. And his whole life, he's been searching for people uh, to try to relive the feeling. But no one else felt as good as that first person he killed. Does <laughs> it make any that. sense? No. Mm, damn, that shit good. <laughs> and then... Th the thing that made me drop it is in the start of the second half, the first episode of the second half of the final season, it literally just does, like, literally the Asuna scene from season two, but with uh, with uh, Leafa. It just does that again, except Kirito's not there, and the person who is there is some random NPC-type person who has done nothing. The whole thing. Wait. And they're there. Wait, hold on. What do you mean, like, she's getting raped? Yes. What the fuck? 
Like it's it literally looks like very similar. It's like they took that scene and like edited it a little bit to make it fit a little bit different, so it didn't look like exactly the same scene. But it's practically the same scene. But the person who saves them is some random person, and that was the point where I, I, I had like literally at that point, I, I paused that episode probably seventy times because I was just like, I, I was like, man, I was like, I'm never gonna get through this show. I was like, it took me like an hour to get through the first episode, which was only 20 minutes long, because of how many times I had to pause and complain. It was so bad. It was like <laughs> Tokyo Ghoul final season bad. Like, it was like, oh, but Dude, I got at least like Tokyo Ghoul was so bad, it was funny. I got two episodes like, in, and I was like, I don't understand any of this, and I don't really want to take the time to understand. Like, honestly, the best way to experience SAO is just watch, like, Alicization's, and, like, just watch that. And then whenever that season ends, just pretend everyone died. That's, that's, that's pretty much the best way to experience SEO. Because that season by itself is like literally a 10 out of 10 show. It's just that there's everything around it, uh, which is such a shame. I like the first season. The second season I did not I, like. I like the first season, uh, the first half of the first season. I don't like the uh, Alfheim part. And then... I don't like the first half of the second season, but I like the part where they like had a bunch of characters, namely the uh, Mother Zario with Yuki. That was Yuki was great. Yeah, I'm just really the second that. season was okay. Like, that was that, the first. Poster. That arc made me cry. Oh, so has a yeah. poster that uh, when we were I have to say that while y'all are little... talking about a show that I actually understand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was that was good. Everything else around it wasn't. So. But and then, like I said, season three is great, but it is completely disconnected from the entire rest of SAO. It has literally <laughs> zero relation to anything else, and that's kind of what makes it so great because you don't have to deal with the side characters because side characters are bad. Uh, but then sadly that ended, and they were like, well, "What do we go?" He's like, "Well, we have to put the other characters back in now to make it actually related to SAO." And they're like, "Okay, fine." And they just stuck them all in, and it's like, "Okay, everyone, every character went into the game, and they're all literally the gods of the game." Like, not even joking, their characters are literally the actual religious figureheads of the game they're in. Because, you know, that's fair. Because, you know, why not? That makes sense. Meanwhile, Kirito's stuck in a in coma, just looking depressed in a wheelchair. It's, it's a very strange... Uh, okay, well, now I gotta get caught up so I can see wheelchair Kirito. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, yeah, you get to see the same scene of girls crying over him, like, literally 20 times. Wow. Cool. Well, I think that makes me want to wheelchair <laughs> Kirito is how we're gonna end this episode. <laughs> a good, a good, a good spot. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So go and listen to uh, like Monster Flames album. Uh, you can listen to DMXs and uh, and none of the, the other ones that we talked about. <laughs> yeah, just like Darling in the yeah. Bronx. There's only seventeen. Don't episodes. listen to the future and Pluto. Don't. Yeah, don't don't listen to that. Uh, uh, Jables has released his uh, new song, debut song, "Home Tonight." Go uh, stream that. Um, Malivore, I got new merch out for it. Uh, y'all are getting first listen or glance or whatever at it. Uh, go and check that out uh, at the link in the description of this video. Uh, we also have a brand new audio roulette only Instagram, so y'all can go and check that out. We're gonna get some clips on there as well if we can find anybody that's willing to do it. Um, 
but yeah, uh, go stream Malivor. Uh, go let me know what time y'all want the uh, the new song to drop. And uh, yeah, so this has been Audio Roulette. Thank y'all for listening, and we will catch y'all next week. Bye-bye.